Then he tries to take every good thing and make them look small and insignificant. There's a spiritual battle going on. Satan wants to hide God and his goodness and his work in your life. He wants you to forget that God has a plan for your life. That God's not done with you yet. That God has good things in store for you. He wants you to be paralyzed uh, to not step out by faith. He, he doesn't want us to tell people about Christ. He doesn't want us to uh, get into the Word and find strength. He doesn't want us to spread the good news of the gospel. Satan wants churches to be closed or empty. He wants God's people to be sad and discouraged. Well, my friend, I come to you this morning with good tidings from the Lord. And I believe that we can have the best year ever with God's help. I'm here to remind you this morning that no one wants to have another year, another lousy year of mediocrity, another year of failure. And the Bible tells us how we can encourage our hearts in the Lord and how we can take some simple steps to make this year a good year. In our text, we find the children of Israel are in captivity. Some had been carried off to Babylon. They were captives in a strange country. The language was different. The music was different. The morals were different. The priorities were different. Everything was strange. And it was hard and discouraging. They'd lost friends and family and homes and fortunes and futures. The prophet Ezekiel was sent to Babylon with them to minister to this remnant, this captive remnant in Babylon. The prophet Jeremiah had stayed behind and while the Babylonians took uh, some of the rich and the, the connected and the, the ones with the great potential trained and, and equipped to be a blessing and, and a help to the communities and to the nation, those were carried off to Babylon there was a remnant left behind in Israel. But it was a destroyed place. When the armies of Babylon came into Israel, they had destroyed everything. They had knocked down walls and destroyed homes and just uh, shattered cities. All of the fields that were usually lush with harvest were trampled and used. Beautiful trees were cut down for Fences and bulwarks and of war. I mean, if you were to step outside what, what used to be a beautiful view of the promised land, everything was barren and destroyed and rubble. And some of the Israelites were left behind to scrape by a meager living. The people were suffering. And of course, they were seeking comfort. But as he always does, Satan sent false prophets to give fake hope. They were saying good things and promising good things, but for the wrong reasons in the wrong way, and it was not from the Lord. Friends, we've got to understand that whenever you're struggling, Satan will send a false prophet to tell you the wrong things. Well, you know, you'd be better off if you just stopped going to church. Really? You know, you'd have more money if you didn't tithe. Really? 
People think better of you if you just didn't talk about Jesus and you didn't take a stand publicly and you just kept your morals to yourself as the world's changing. That, that's the way to path, the path to prosperity, the devil says. But it's all lies. And so Satan sends false prophets to the Israelites and whether it's in Babylon or whether it's in uh, the promised land here, they're having good messages but for the wrong motives and with the wrong methods. So God, as He often does, sends a true prophet, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was going to tell people the truth. And his message was, although you are suffering now, God is not done with you yet. Amen. After their captivity the Lord would restore their fellowship with Himself and He would fulfill all the plans He had for them. See, the captivity was not an end of God's blessing. It was a pause because of their sin. But God was not done with them yet. This portion of Scripture should encourage our hearts. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Read this wonderful verse with me, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. The Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Isn't that a blessing? God was saying, hey, I know you're discouraged, but I know the thoughts I have towards you. You might be thinking wrong thoughts. Oh, God's forsaken me, perhaps you think. Oh, God's mad at me, perhaps you think. God's done with me, perhaps you think. But God says, I know the thoughts I have toward you. I know the plans that I have for you. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil. God said, I'm not trying to make your life more difficult. I'm not here just to keep judging and judging. He said, I have good things in store for you. And thanks be to God that we can say the same thing today. God has good things in store for His people. Yes, folks, it may be a bumpy road we're driving down, but God is not done with us yet. There may be difficulty, but God is not done with us yet. There may be storms of rain and thunder and lightning, but God is not done with us yet. If you're still breathing, God is not done with you. That would encourage your heart. Ah, I'd be better off if I was in heaven. Well, that'd be true for all of us. But the truth is, if you're still breathing, God's not done with you yet. He's got a plan, and it's a good plan. If you could see the plan God has for you, you'd be like, wow, that's a good plan. I, I want that to happen. That's what I want. The truth is, if, if you were to write down everything you wanted, I'm not talking about the foolish worldly stuff, oh, I want a Corvette, and I want a Hummer, and I want a mansion on Ocean Road, and all that, all that kind of stuff. You know, you get to a place in life where all that stuff's meaningless. It's better to be poor and loved than to be rich and hated. It's better to have less... Uh, physical things, but have more of the things money can't buy than to have all the things money can buy and be alone and sad and broken. 
Folks, we are rich. The truth is, don't just look at your bank account. Look at your family. Look at your spouse. Think about your children. Think about your church family. Think about your salvation. The truth is, we are rich as God's people. And if we're still breathing, God's not done with us yet. I love Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Let's turn to it. Philippians chapter 1. It's a good verse for everybody to mark and memorize. Philippians chapter 1. And look at verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Folks, there's some things that you should be confident of as a Christian. And one of the things you should be confident in is that God's not done with you yet. God started good things in you when you were conceived in your mother's womb. And God will perform all of his plans for you until one of these days you see Jesus. And you ought to be confident of that. You ought to be confident in your salvation. You ought to be confident in the sovereignty of God. And you ought to be confident that God is not done with you. Hebrews 13.5 says, For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Oh, dear friend. Don't, don't stay down. Don't, don't stay beat up. The Bible says a just man falleth seven times. Oh, but he riseth up again. And yes, you may get knocked down by life. You may get knocked down by circumstance. You might have health difficulties or even tragedies in your life or saying goodbye to loved ones or watching your, your, your retirement dwindle or be worried about the finances and have relationship trouble. You may be concerned about the future as a young person wondering what's the future going to look like for me? Will I ever get married? How am I, I going to have kids in this wicked world? All of those things can be a crushing weight upon you. But one thing you should never forget, one thing you should always be confident of, is that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. We will have some hard times in this world of woe. But God has promised He would be with us through it all. I want to encourage you this morning. You can have a good year. Matter of fact, why stop there? You could have the best year ever. You say, well, why should I have my best year ever? I ask you a better question. Why not? (laughs) Why not have the best year ever? Do you want to have a lousy year? Do you want to be miserable? Do you want to play the victim? Uh, The truth is some people do. Some people find comfort in being negative. Some people have decided that it's better to expect bad things rather than to be disappointed. Oh, what a terrible way to live. What a terrible way. Listen, anybody can be down and gloom and glum and... Boy, if you can predict bad things, you'll just make sure they happen. You know, sometimes they become self-fulfilling prophecies. Oh, it's going to be a terrible year. Well, that attitude, it probably will be. Jesus says, as ye have believed, so be it unto you. 
And there is an element where God says, you get to choose. If you think it's going to be a terrible year, you're probably right. If you think you're going to have a lousy time, you're probably right. Because no matter how hard people try, that's what you've decided. You're subconsciously going to make it happen. But why not decide, hey, God's got good things in store. I'm going to have a good year. It's going to be a victorious year. No, it's not going to be easy. No, everything's not going to go necessarily the way that I want. But I know God has good things in store for me. And I know the thoughts He thinks of me. And they are thoughts of peace and not evil. Today, unbiblical thinking prevails. Many ungodly people extol the virtue of victimhood. You know, the truth is, folks, you get to decide whether you're a victim or you're a victor. I'm not talking about you can't necessarily control the circumstances that are out of your control, but you get to decide your response to it. How could it be that some people go through terrible, terrible things outside of their control and their attitude is, I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. And then some people have petty things happen to them that really aren't a big deal. But man, you would think that they were the biggest victim in the world because they've just decided they're a victim. How could this happen to me? I think it's a terrible thing that people are being taught today that victimhood is something to be striven for. There's a modern concept called intersectionality. It's popular in colleges and such. This thinking teaches people that they should identify all the ways they've been oppressed or victimized. What color are you? Well, you're oppressed or you're the oppressor. What gender are you? You're the oppressed or you're the oppressor. How much money do you have? Where do you live? What education do you have? And intersectionality teaches you, you add up all the different ways that you have been victimized or oppressed, and the one who's the biggest victim wins. It's a terrible way to live. Folks, Satan wants you to be a victim. God has called you to be victorious. And perhaps bad things do happen. Difficulties happen to us all. Tragedies are real in this sin-cursed world. But you are the one who gets to decide if you're the victim or if you're going to be victorious. And I'm telling you as a Christian, God's called you to be victorious. Let me show you a wonderful verse 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look at verse 57. Let's say it together. Ready? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say it together again. Ready? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Dear friend, God's given you the victory over the most difficult foe you'll ever face, and that is death. That is hell. But notice it says that thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. God's called you to be victorious. He hasn't called you to fail. He hasn't called you to be a failure or a victim or to just lay down and let life roll over you. Dear friend, count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. Did you see that? Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. This is a man who was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was hunted. And he said, listen, I'm not a victim. Don't think bad about me, church. Don't worry bad about me, Christian friend, because Christ has always caused us to triumph. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Look at Romans chapter 8. Reminding us that God is good things in store. That we can look at this year and say, I'm going to have a good year. Matter of fact, I'm going to have the best year. Maybe trials will come. Maybe difficulties will come. Maybe all the craziness in Washington, D.C. will go on. Maybe, maybe Satan uh, wins a few innings out of the game. But we know who's going to win. We're on the winning side. We know the final score. We're not going to lay down and pretend like we're beaten. We are not a defeated foe. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. <coughs> Powerful verses. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? What's he saying here? Tribulation is exactly that. I mean tribulation. Tough times. Distress. That's lack. That is the pressure of lack, persecution, that's being hunted. Famine, that's not having enough food. Nakedness, that's not having clothes to wear. Peril, that's your life is in danger. Sword, that's people are trying to kill you. Well, none of us would say that's a good year. <laughs> but let me tell you something good about it. None of those things will separate you from the love of Christ. Look at verse 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, you're being hunted? Yeah, but I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Oh, you don't have food to eat? You don't have clothes to wear? You don't have a place to live? Oh, yeah, it's true. And it's no fun. But I'm not a victim. I'm the victor. Those people trying to kill you. They're hunting you. They would kill you if they could. Yeah, that's true. And one of these days they might catch up with me. But I'm not a victim. I'm not even just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. You see the attitude here? 
Man, Christians gotta gotta rise up. We gotta stop getting out from under we gotta get out from underneath the circumstances and get on top side. The sun's always shining above the clouds. It may be gray and dark and dim right now, but I promise you, if you and I got in an airplane and we climbed up above this cloud ceiling, you'll find the sun's shining just fine. And God is still in control. And, and we are still on the winning side. And we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Read on. Verse 38, For I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that your persuasion? Some of you are persuaded, boy, life stinks and it's just going to get worse. Some of you are persuaded, hey, you know what, nothing good ever happens to me. I'm just going to pay taxes and then I die. Man, life's not even worth living. I don't even know why I try. (laughs) What a terrible way to live. Or you could be persuaded today. I mean, you could be moved, convinced that I'm more than a conqueror. And God, Christ always causeth the triumph. And He always brings the victory. This is why we should have a good year. Amen. Even when God's people are led as lambs to the slaughter, we know that we are more than conquerors in Him. <laughs> so I say, let's strive to have the best year ever. Why not? Don't lay down. Don't expect a lousy year. Don't just look around at the climate and decide how your life's going to go because of things outside of your control. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Your sight may tell you, hey, man, things are bad. Hey, man, things are difficult. Wow, it's, it's getting bad out there. But the Bible says we're supposed to walk by faith. Yes, those things are true, but I'm going to choose to put my sight on God. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm not going to make decisions about my life and, and, and God and all of these things by the things I see. I'm not going to be discouraged by the things I see. I'm going to live by faith. So we're going to have the best year ever. Now, how do we do that? It's simple, actually. (laughs) It's really simple to have the best year ever. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Here's the truth. Your life will be blessed in direct proportion to how you put Christ first. You put Christ first a little bit, you're blessed a little bit. Put Christ first a lot, and you're blessed a lot. So the goal is, if we're going to have the best year ever, we're going to strive to put Christ first in every way possible. This truth is mentioned a lot of different ways in your Bible. Let's look at another one. Psalm chapter 1. Same truth, just a little bit different story. How are we going to put God first? Psalm chapter 1. Blessed 
is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Why are you letting ungodly people tell you how to live? That's the counsel of the ungodly. Why are you listening to ungodly people? Tell you how to live, what morals to have, what's right and wrong. If you want to be blessed, you can't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You're going to walk in the light of the Lord. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. What are you doing hanging around with sinners? What are you doing at the bar and the casino and all these places? What are you doing at the gentleman's club where there's not a gentleman to be found and, and all these wicked places around here and spending time with sinners? Man, if you'd rather be around sinners than God's people, there's either something wrong with you or the people that you call God's people. God's people should want to be around God's people. You want to have a good year? Stop hanging out with sinners. You want to have a good year? Stop letting ungodly people tell you how to live. Then he says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Who's the scorners? These are the judgmental people. They know everything. They got everything right. Stop sitting in the seat judging everybody about what's right. This, you should have done that. Should have done that. He shouldn't have done that. She shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. What a terrible way to live. What a perverse way to live to think that you're just judge and jury about everybody's life. <clears throat> now, to be clear, it's not judging someone in a negative way to say, hey, God says that's a sin. Stop it. That's not being judgmental. That's just telling you what the judge said. But boy, if we're not careful, we get a judgmental attitude. Becoming judge and jury and everybody's motives and what they're thinking and what they should have done. and It's a terrible way to live. But look what he says. But if you want to be blessed, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Watch this. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. <clears throat> this is the Midas touch from God. How would you like to be so blessed that whatever you do turns to gold? Amen. Everything you do is successful. Your career? Success. Finances, success. Relationships, success. Ministry, success. This isn't you doing what you want, when you want, why you want, how you want, expecting God to bless it. This is you putting God first like you've never had before. You're not letting ungodly people tell you what to do. You're not hanging out with sinners. You're not being judgmental about everybody. You are humbly striving to obey the Lord, seeking His book, living in His book, trying to please the Lord, and everything you do is blessed. That's a good year. Have the best year ever. Same concept in Joshua chapter 1. Look at Joshua chapter 1. This will be our final verse. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1. Same concept to the extent that you put God first. And have the best year ever. Put God first like you never have. 
The same truth, but this is how God explained it to Joshua. Moses is dead. He's now the leader trying to lead this stiff-necked group of people into the promised land. Look at verse 6. God says to Joshua, Be strong and of a good courage. Hey, if you're going to follow God in this wicked world, you're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be courageous. Well, what are they going to think about me? You failed already. (laughs) <laughs> you know, if that's the way you're thinking in this wicked world, you failed already. You might as well lay down and roll over. You got to be strong. You got to be courageous. Look at verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous. What kind of courage? What am I having courage for? That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it. To the right hand, nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Do you see it? Joshua, you'll be blessed when you are strong enough and courageous enough to do what I've told you to do. And you will be blessed. You will have success in direct proportion to how you obey my word. Same thing is true for us. Folks, if you want to have the best year ever, you put Jesus first like you never have before. If you want to have the best year ever, you stop listening to sinners and being sinful and memorize and meditate and study and obey God's word. You want to have the best year ever? Be strong and courageous enough to say, I'm going to do what God says in the midst of a wicked and perverse world. Now, what does that look like? Let me just give you these final thoughts. How do we put God first practically? And I'll just mention these to you. Number one, start each day with God in prayer. You got to start every day with God in prayer. I mean, if before you even get up, start every day with God in prayer. We have in the back on the table right before the, the double doors, we have a little system that some of you have seen before. It's for beginners. It's called How to Spend 30 Minutes with God. Grab one of these if you're struggling to get into a rhythm of of praying to God consistently. Grab one of these on your way out. If you want to spend 15 minutes with God, cut this program in half. If you want to spend an hour with God, double it. But this just gives you a program of how you approach God, how you pray, what to pray about, how do you stop praying, all of that. This will be a help to you, but start every day with God. Start every day in the Word of God. Then let me say number two, if you want to be truly blessed, how about you read the whole Bible? <laughs> don't, don't just start the day with God uh, but, and, and read the Bible, but how about you read the whole Bible? Some of you maybe have never read the Bible through in one year. This ought to be the year. Some of you have read the Bible through every year for, for a lot of years. Well, do it again. We have these back here. Six-day Bible reading plan back on the back table. Take one of these with you. Six days a week, 12 minutes a day, you can read your Bible through. And be blessed. 
If you have read the Bible through every day for many years, maybe you need to take the next step. They're not in the back because they're not for everybody. But this is called the six-day Bible reading plus plan. This will help you read the Bible through twice this year and the book of Proverbs 12 times in about 25 minutes a day. Some of you are like, dude, <laughs> that's way too much. Well, then you just need to start reading. Some, some of you just need to read something every day. Many of you just need to read the Bible through this year. But some of you, if you've read the Bible through for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, maybe take the next step. How about read the Bible through twice this year? Be, be blessed. How do we have the best year ever? Start every day with God in prayer. Start every day in the Bible. How about read the Bible through this year? How do we have the best year ever? Let me encourage you to focus on your relationships. Focus on your relationships. If you're married, how about you cherish that spouse again? Sir, how about you get back to cherishing your wife? Not just loving her, not just providing for her, making her feel like she's the most important woman on planet Earth. You can have a good year. Ma'am, make your husband feel like that he is the most respected man on the planet. You know, you can, you can get your career, you can have money and savings, but if you have a bad marriage, it's not going to be a very good year. <laughs> All right? Focus on your relationships. If you're an aunt or an uncle, focus on those relationships. Be a godly aunt or uncle. Be a godly grandma or grandpa. Be a godly parent. Parents, focus on those kids. Man, they're going to grow up and be gone before you know it. Spend a little extra time with them. Focus on them this year. Turn the TV off. Take a walk outside. Play a board game. Go on a trip. I mean, pay special attention to your loved ones. One of these days, it's not going to matter what kind of clothes you wore or what name brand shoes you wore or what kind of car you drove. It's going to matter. Do the people that you love love you? What a special thing it is to know you're loved. You want to have the best year ever? How about you win someone to Jesus this year? I mean, you just say, hey, with the help of God, it is January 9th. I have 11 and a half months to try to get someone in the kingdom of God. And by the grace of Almighty God, I want to win someone to Jesus this year. (laughs) You You could do that if you wanted. Let me say lastly, there's a lot more I could say, but how about if you reproduce yourself this year? How about you don't just win somebody? How about if your goal was, with the help of God, next January, if Jesus doesn't come back, there's going to be someone sitting in the pew with me that's in church because God used me. Might be a backslidden Christian that you bring back to the fold. Might be someone that you win to Jesus and see baptized and you disciple them. But folks, listen, Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. Christians aren't born through natural birth. They must be born again. That means every Christian should make a goal every year that I want to reproduce myself. I want by the grace of God to win someone to Christ and teach him how to be like Jesus so that I can leave people behind. Just like Brother Tony gave the, the wonderful testimony this morning. Don Lewis, good man. I'm glad I got to know him. 
If you've ever been around him, love the Bible, love to pray, love to tell people about Jesus. There's a man sitting in our church today that's here in part because God used Don Lewis years ago to win him to Christ. One of these days, if Jesus tarries when you and I are gone, I wonder if there's going to be anybody left behind. Or maybe they'll just say, wow, he had a nice car. Yeah, we lived in a big house. Yeah, he was funny. She was pretty. She really knew how to dress. (laughs) Or maybe someone could say, that person led me to Jesus. That person taught me how to be a man. That person taught me how to be a lady. That person taught me to love Jesus. That's the legacy you want. Are you going to be a victim? Are you going to be a victor? You going to go into this year with your eyes down, beat up and defeated already? Or are you going to say, "No, no, no. I know the thoughts God has for me. They are thoughts of peace and not evil, and he's got a plan for my life." I'm going to put him first and see what happens. Amen. Father, thank you for the truth. <clears throat> we pray that you would work on our hearts. Lord, we have a wonderful opportunity to have a, an incredible year. Best year ever. But it only happens when we put you first. And I pray that each one of us would be challenged in our hearts, not just by my words, but by the Holy Spirit. Would be challenged to put you first. Strive to honor you and please you and Lord that while we strive to deal with all the things out of our control we know that we could have the best year ever as we put you first like we never have before heads are bowed, eyes are closed we're going to take a moment of invitation what's your outlook been and it's It's okay if you've been a little discouraged. It's okay if you've been sad. It's okay if you've been beat up. We've all been there. But it's your choice whether you stay there. A just man falleth seven times. There's no shame in falling, but there is a shame if you choose to stay down. Maybe today you just need to say, hey, by God's grace, it's going to be a good year. By God's grace, I'm going to put him first like I never have before. Maybe you're here this morning or you're listening and you're not sure you're saved. Make today the day of salvation. We'd love to help you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Be born again.